We have not talked. No. Since I met you in New York. Not really. Yeah, not really. We were together for the reader retreat. Yeah. Um, and for our live show. But that felt different. That was totally different. That was like us chatting for the show and yeah. not just chatting. Right. Um, so yeah, we have a lot to catch up on. We have so much to catch up on. Although somebody did ask me how New York was yesterday mm-hmm. and I was like, when did I go there? Because <laughs> there's too much happening. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but this weekend is my brother's wedding. Mm-hmm. There's like a lot I did happening. know that. So, but I did want to tell you, cause I think you'll get a kick out of this. So, so Jordan and I were in line for Hamilton and which was very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, we, decided to go while we were in New York um, after kind of months of like not being able to get tickets to Atlanta or Jacksonville or Orlando and finally just being like, we're going to be in New York. We're never in New York. Let's just do it. Yeah. Um, So we're in line and we're talking to people behind us. And then I feel like I've told you this story before, but I know I haven't. So, but then this group of probably six or eight women is standing in front of us and all of a sudden one of them goes, oh my gosh, it's Annie B. Jones. Oh, no. And Jordan's face. And it was this delightful woman who I am pretty sure it's now two weeks removed, but I believe her name is Tammy. She is a podcast listener. Great. And it was bonkers. That is bonkers. It is one thing. We had already been at Books Are Magic, and there were two people in Books Are Magic. There was a regular customer, Chantal, who lived in Tallahassee. Now she lives in D.C. She was vacationing in Brooklyn, as, as one does. And so she was at Books Are Magic... And then a girl recognized me from Hunter's Instagram. And so that was wild. That's super like, weird. Like to Jordan. But we were also like, well, it's Book Expo weekend. Yeah, like, I, I guess that makes people. sense. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but to be at Hamilton, not at right. a book really right. related thing. But it, it, there's a sizable Venn diagram there. Sure. But, but to include Thomasville in New York City, it was rather <laughs> bizarre. And then we get to talking. She was lovely. She was there on a girl's trip with her family. Um, one of the relatives, I think an aunt, used to live in Bainbridge. So she was like, no way. oh, you've been to the bread wagon, right? And Jordan and I were like, how do you know about the bread wagon? <laughs> like, like, we feel like even Thomasville isn't always familiar with the bread wagon. Um, and then our seats were next to each other. That's so weird. Which Jordan kept going... I don't understand. Like, how is this happening? Yeah. Is this real? Jordan kept being like, does this mean something? And I was like, I don't know <laughs> what it means. But it was bizarre. It yeah. was so nuts. And they were lovely. They were delightful people to get to experience Hamilton with. Um, Tammy, it should be said, is not from New York. She is from Atlanta. So that made a little more sense. But then to be in New York to at the same time. To be in New York time, at the same time, yeah. And to have seats next to yeah. each other. Um, I almost wouldn't believe that. Yeah, it is because it is unbelievable. Yeah. If Jordan wasn't there, I think I myself would have trouble. Like you would just think it was some kind of fever dream. Yeah, it's yeah. really nice to have a spouse because they're the witness of yes. two things for you. <laughs> and like the closest thing I've experienced to that was not even podcast related. It was years ago. I was in the FSU movie theater, like the free one for yeah. students, um, and this random guy came up to me and he's like, "Hey, are you Chris Jensen?" And I was like. Uh huh. And he was like, "I follow you on Twitter. You're really funny." I think we talked about that I think once we did. before. And like, I follow this guy now, Andy. I think he's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and he's really interesting. We have never met yeah. aside from that one interaction, and I don't know how he started started following, you. following me at all. That is what I just found it to be delightful and also bizarre. And I think Jordan was like, "Oh, so." lots of people listen to this podcast and I was like yes but also no like I think it's still a pretty niche thing it is um 
so it felt really special and and just bonkers. That is bonkers. To just in the in line at Hamilton. But hey, we're in Southern Living now. That's true. Uh, again. <laughs> That's true. We've made it. We've, we, we've made it. We've truly made it. This is the peak <laughs> of our existence. <laughs> Welcome to episode 228 of From the Front Porch, a collection of conversations on books, small business, and life in the South. My name is Chris Jensen, and I am feeling pretty good. And I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. So by the time this goes live, the reader retreat will be two weeks gone. Will be long, but a memory. Um, <laughs> but it was... It was just a couple days it ago. It was for us a couple days ago, <laughs> and it was so fun. It was really fun. It was, um, I was going to say, it feels weird now to record, because now I feel like I can picture the faces. Yeah. <laughs> listeners. Well, and I've gotten a couple emails to that, yeah. to that score that are just like, listening is going to be so different now because I can picture you guys right. talking to each other. Right. It's like we talked about before that I, oh, that I, um, <laughs> after listening to, there it goes, after listening to Reply All, mm-hmm. I Googled them, wished I hadn't. Yeah. I just had very much, not that they are unattractive or anything. It's just in my head. I had you had different images of them. Thing. Yeah, so... Have I told you that... I think I have told you this, but I think it's worth repeating that as a child, I imagined any male-female duo on the radio as Mulder and Scully from the X-Files. That's a lovely image. Right? Yeah. And so there were these, like, radio DJs on the local country station, RJ and Sandy, and I always pictured them as Mulder and Scully. See? Isn't it... <laughs> did you ever see what they looked like? Yes, radio? and I was so disappointed. Yeah, like, there's um, 98.9 you, in Tallahassee. Uh-huh. I feel like John and Tammy. I don't know if you listen to John I, and Tammy. Uh, John and Tammy they in the morning? morning. Yeah. Yeah. But I have very specific pictures of what they look like. Not the X-Files stars, but no. I do have pictures of them, and that is not what they look like at all. See, when I you just say John and Tammy, I think Tammy is Megan Mullally, because that was her yeah. character on Parks and Rec. And John, I picture, who's that game show host that's now a racist? Chuck Woolery. <laughs> I picture him. <laughs> What do you think people picture when they picture us? Uh, I don't. I don't want to think about I that. I know it's hard. Yeah. So, but now I'm picturing you. I'm picturing Julie. I'm picturing. I feel like I could name them now. Like yeah. now I'm picturing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know all of these. Folks all of these who different people: there. Amy, Nikki, yeah. Molly. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It is fun. Um. Also weird. But also fun. weird. And so next week we're going to be airing um, selections from the live episode that we did for our very first reader retreat. Um, so you can look forward to that, and it could entice you because right. we have because of a couple of cancellations, we have two, I believe, two spots to the July reader retreat available as of this recording. As of this recording. Um. So you can call Carol at the Paxton House because that is where all of the reservations are made. However. Also, during the July Retreat or Retreat, we're doing another live podcast, uh-huh. and we are opening that one up to the public because we want to give the public a chance to meet Mary Laura Philpott. Um, Mary Laura is an author, and she is going to be our guest um, for our recording of From the Front Porch. Mm-hmm. So on Saturday, July 20th at 7 p.m., you can come, and for, I think it's a $15 ticket, yeah. you can come hear us and Mary Laura. Tickets for that are available on the Bookshelf website. Yeah, that's going to be a really fun time. That's going to be bonkers. Uh, yeah. 
I I feel like I have started to use bonkers all the time, but it's because Did you get it from me? Um no, I don't know who I got it from. Part of the problem is I listen to a lot of people mm-hmm. and that which is why I don't listen to book podcasts because right. it trickles in. Oh, like yeah. I can't help it. Absolutely. So I feel like I say things like Jamie or like Knox because mm-hmm. they're constantly in my ear. And I say bonkers all the time. Yeah. And so but I think I say it all the time because truly things happening here are bonkers are bonkers yeah. like we also say at the bookshop all the time like it's bananas like mm-hmm. it, it, this day is bananas and we mean it we sing the office song and then we mean it like <laughs> so anyway <laughs> um okay so we feel like the internet including our show yeah have been full of recommendations for summer reading. summer reads Just, beach reads yeah everywhere you look and so i found this instagram post from the strand utterly delightful because they also were like Summer reading recommendations are everywhere. So here's what we're going to do. Forget beach reads. We're going to give you tomes to read. We're going to give you some big boys. We're going to give you some big boys. Um, I prefer, I wish I had never said that. I would prefer <laughs> to use the term, we like big books and we, we cannot, cannot lie. lie. And I'm going to say, it's big boy season, y'all. And I don't like that because I don't know what it means. <laughs> I don't really know what it means either. <laughs> I feel like that's a risky move. And honestly, please don't write in to tell me what it means. I would rather live in the dark here. Let Chris just keep using it. In whatever mean he means to use it. Yeah. <laughs> in whatever meaning he chooses to use. Um, so we thought, thank you, Strand. Thank you, Strand. We're um, gonna rip this off. Yeah, we want to talk about big books because you already had kind of alluded to this. Yes. Because we teased yeah. that you took onto the beach, I don't even remember. Statius is the bias. <laughs> Which, okay. Um, and I thought, well, that's really interesting. Because that's not what I think of when I think of a beach book. And then we teased a couple weeks ago this idea or this question, like, do you read light in the summer or do you want them to read a big boy because now you have ostensibly the time to do it? Right. Because I think all of us still imagine that we're on school schedules. We do. Um, And I am. Yeah. And have never not been. Right. But I know that most of the world doesn't actually have summer off, which, hold on, I do just want to qualify. Academics don't have summer off. <laughs> Academics use summer as the only time they're allowed to do their own work. It's like catch up. It's our catch up time, it's and it is season. the busiest, most stressful time of the year, honestly, for all academics. If it's summer and you know an academic, hug them. <laughs> Although you seem fine. <laughs> well, I just defended my dissertation, That's so right. I'm taking several weeks off. Yeah, off. I was going to say, but you starting seem in, really relaxed. But starting in July, yeah. I'm going to start publishing, and it's going to be terrible. Um, in July, we'll we'll catch back up. I think, yeah, adults, even without kids, so Jordan and I don't have kids, but we too feel, and perhaps it is also impacted by where we live. Yeah. So Thomasville significantly slows down in the mm-hmm. summer. Um, it's also very hot. It's so hot. And so I think in the South, things do move at a slower pace. I think so too. Um, and again, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's my imagination. Maybe it's a holdout from, you know, 22 years spent in academia. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but it does make you wonder, when I say beach read, what I typically mean is paperback, light and fun, able to be read in a day. Breezy. But I have also read by the beach really thought-provoking books. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends, I know we've talked about this before, she's Juliana Reads on Instagram. She always uses, I think, the summer to read a tome. So she did Lonesome Dove, Gone with the Wind. I think she did Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it got us thinking about, yeah, hefty books. Hefty books. And like when we mean 
when we say hefty books here and big boys and however else we're describing these, what we mean is just a 500 plus page count. Yeah, I don't even mean topic. Exactly. The subject matter doesn't have to be big or heavy. It often is. Yeah. Um, But what we are talking about here specifically is just large books. Page count. And if you are tracking your reading, whether it's through Goodreads or Instagram or a bullet journal or whatever, Mm -hmm. I do think a lot of people have set for better or for worse, right? Reading goals for themselves. Uh-huh. And as a result, if you're like me and you have done that before, like, was it one or two years ago where I set the two goal of 100? Um, it does affect your reading mm-hmm. where that then, for example, when I opened the arc of Elizabeth Gilbert's new book, City of Girls, I was like, oh, this is going to be like, I'm going to have to dedicate some time right. um, because it's over 500 pages. Right. Now, it is not like reading Summa of the Summa. Like, like it is, City of Girls is enjoyable. I flew through it. But it felt like a commitment. Right. And if you're tracking your reading and you're trying to hit a particular goal, I think we tend to put those books off. To right. Like because that's three books worth of pages. That's correct. <laughs> so let's talk about what hefty books we've read or what we recommend what if we you're recommend, trying to do this um, this summer. Or just... Yeah. Yeah, things that I've read in summers. Yes. You've read one of the biggest books of all. Feels big. That summer you dedicated Oh, the, the to... summer I did Infinite Jazz? Yeah. Infinite Summer? Yeah. Um, except it wasn't even summer. It was eight days, if I'm not mistaken. Eight or nine days. And I'll tell you why. It's because Todd Seabrook, mm-hmm. who had an author event at the bookshelf many years ago, um, friend of the podcast, um, challenged me to do it. Okay. That he said he had read it in whatever day count this was, eight or nine days, and I was like, I'm going to beat it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to so beat it. So unlike you, competitively. It honestly is. Um, <laughs> have you changed? I might have changed. Yeah. Because uh, this was... Or is this just buried real deep? This was summer 2014, I think. Okay. 2013 or 2014, one of those years. Um, I think it's 2014. And I did it. It was all that I did for a week. Um, David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest. I can't say I recommend the experience. Yeah. Um, Maybe don't do it over eight days. No. I don't think you have to do that. No, it warped my brain. Yeah. In a in an interesting way, and like there are there's a lot to say about David Foster Wallace. Yeah. Um, not a sterling person. Um, who is anymore? Who is? <laughs> well, Let's be clear. Who, who has ever been? <laughs> right. Um, but if you're if you're a fan of Mary Carr at all, you have to kind of take her side. Yeah. Um, and I do. But I did read this book. I do think it is worth reading, at least in part. Okay. I understand that the experience of reading it is supposed to be kind of harrowing. It is supposed to be kind of never-ending. It is supposed to be confusing. You're going back and forth between the main story and the end notes. Mm-hmm. Flipping back and forth. It's a two-bookmark book because you have to keep going back and forth. Yeah. It's not the same book if you don't read the end notes, mm-hmm. which are a third of the page count. It's confusing. There are passages that have really stuck with me, though. Okay. Have you revisited it no. since that almost because I told, experience? I told myself I wanted 10 years between. Okay. Um, and then what I want to do, I think, is read it out of order. Oh, interesting. Because I don't think it needs to be read in order. Okay. And I might be wrong about that. You'll find out. But I don't think it does. I want to read just, like, sections at a time out of context. Okay. And I think it'll stand out. It's not one that is ever... Like, I think it's okay. I don't think I'm ever going to read that book. And that's fine. Yeah. It's over a thousand pages. Yeah. If, I, and it, the interest and, is and there. It, it feels like it. Yeah. And it's so many plot lines that then intersect, and one of them I was really invested in. Yeah. 
which is hard. Yeah. Because then you're like, should I just skip these pages? Should I skip? And it's, mm. I have thoughts about another book on our list in the same vein, but um, we can get there when we get there. Um, I mentioned City of Girls. I have not read Signature of All Things, but I feel like Elizabeth Gilbert, her nonfiction reads like short and fast. Her fiction, it feels like she really uses her background as a journalist to really dive deep into some research and into information because her books are really rich and Mm -hmm. full of detail that I think another in the hands of another author you could get bogged down by. Mm -hmm. So city of girls we've talked about it, um, really covers a lot of territory in New York city and in the theater world. Uh And I completely felt like I was there in like 1940s. I felt like the setting was rich and nuanced and well researched without feeling like feeling you needed, research. yeah, feeling yeah. like you needed footnotes. Um, so I really liked City of Girls. I'd also be super curious. I have had readers who have loved Signature of All Things, which to me is another one of hers where she clearly did the work. Um, but readers also really enjoyed their reading mm-hmm. experience. So those two came to mind. Um, also kind of in that vein is Unsheltered by Barbara Kingsolver. I love Barbara Kingsolver. A lot of people felt like this was a departure for her, and I have fellow readers. That was one of my favorite books I read in 2018, but I have fellow readers who were like, I gave up. Like, it was, you talk about plot lines. Uh It really was two plot lines, and I think I loved both Mm -hmm. going back and forth, but I think some readers felt attached to one and not the other, and that can mess with your reading. Absolutely. Like, because you reach a chapter, and you're like, but I don't Uh, care. I don't care about this. (laughs) Yeah. I did not feel that at all, but it is... I feel like it has become, it is becoming obvious that I do not mind quiet literature. And so books where it feels like not a lot happens, that's okay to me. Um, And I think Unsheltered falls in that category. I had to flip back through it yesterday in preparation for a podcast, not a podcast, in preparation for a book club I'm leading. Uh And I hadn't read it. You know, I've read like, I don't know. 30 books since then. Since I was then, like, yeah. well, I should probably revisit yeah, this. Flip through there. Yeah, but I was flipping through it, and some, just like you said, some of those um, passages from Infinite Jess have stuck with you. Some of the sentences and lines, like when I was flipping back through, I was like, oh, Barbara Kingsolver is so talented. Yeah. And has so many interesting things to say about 2016, 2017, 2018, without feeling like she's kind of preaching at us. Um, So I still highly recommend Unsheltered, and I think summer would be a really good time to read it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And if you like books in which not a lot happens, and they're just like meditative character studies, have I got the author for you? (laughs) Dostoevsky. Yes. Jordan loves him. Dostoevsky, and that makes complete sense to me. Yeah. That is a (laughs) Jordan-centered writer. Yes. Um, but the Brothers Karamazov, which I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I don't even remember in what context, but there was a summer in which I read that and a bunch of other classics. I won't say it changed my life, yeah, but it made me think about a lot of things in a way that was helpful to me yeah. at the time when I was 20. Um, Brothers Karamazov has 50 to 100 page stretches where nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult to get through at times. And there are random plots and threads that come up that don't seem related at all. Do they wind up being related? Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's kind You kind of, of have to trust him. Exactly. He's masterful in that book where like you're following one main plot, who killed this guy? 
and then like interviewing all of his children. Mm-hmm. And these children are all completely different. They all have their own little goings on in their lives. Um, trying to figure out like who killed their dad. But then there are also all these other plots, like a cruel guy who like tortured a dog and like all these weird things that pop up that don't seem to be related. And then they absolutely are and they tie it together. And then the ending is so satisfying. Um, the last 20, 25 pages where it all comes to a head and resolves are truly astounding, but it's a commitment. It's a commitment. I think a lot of classics are. Even mm-hmm. even the smaller ones, um, I think, require maybe more brain power than we are willing to lit- lend were, contemporary fiction. And we talked about this a couple months ago. Like They were written in a different time for a different kind of audience. Yeah. Um, the internet really has warped our attention span. It has, which kind of depresses me. But if it depresses you too, then try classics. Like yeah. Try to kind of retrain your brain. Try to your retrain brain. your brain. Um, I was thinking of The Complete Collection. I think it's just called The Complete Stories, Flannery O'Connor. Mm-hmm. It is hefty because it's all of her stories. But what a great thing to try to tackle during the summer because short stories, as we have mentioned many, many times, are so great because you can pick them up and put them down. Yes. So you don't have to feel like you have to read it in eight days. Nope. You or can even in, in one sitting. Right. You, you can, can read it, read it, it over out. the summer. Um, so read a couple stories in between the other books you're reading. Yeah. So I think keeping a copy of The Complete Stories by Flannery O'Connor on your nightstand would be a good idea this summer. And all of her stories are so hot. Yes. They are, because it's the South. Because it's the South. Nearly everything's set in Georgia. Yeah, I was just telling somebody at the reader retreat, I know I've said this frequently, but I cannot read cold books right now. I cannot. I do not want to hear about your beautiful fall or the snow falling on the ground. Like, it's too hot for that. Mm -hmm. I want somebody to be as miserable as I am. (laughs) Um, And I think the complete story certainly fits that bill. Everyone's miserable. Also, who doesn't love... Flannery O'Connor. There's so much there. Here's what else is great is you could read a few... Yes, her stories carry like similar themes and similar writing styles, but they're also different enough. They're very where different. Where if you hate one, n- no worries, you'll probably love a different one. Um, so I would suggest that. I... Uh, well, I've mentioned Little Women before. Like, my mom hasn't read Little Women. I don't think Olivia is either, so I was teasing them that they should do a buddy read mm-hmm. of, of Little Women. That'd be really fun. Um, and it is... I'd listen to that. It is thick. It is a commitment because it's really two books in one. Right. Um, I am going to be trying, I think... I don't... I hesitate to say it because it feels like then it's um, like a promise, but I'm going to attempt two of these this summer. So... I already said on an episode of From the Front Porch that I'm going to do The Goldfinch uh-huh. because that is going to be our August uh, Backlist Book Club title. Uh-huh. It's coming out as a movie. I haven't even watched the trailer because I'm like, no, I never did read this. Mm-hmm. Like I had, I think I either had just started working at the bookshelf. Yes. Um, and so it was one that eventually everybody was already talking about. So it felt like, well, I don't need to read this. Everybody was already talking about um, it. Plus, I looked at the page count and thought, I can read mm-hmm. three or four books mm-hmm. in the amount of time it might take me to read the goldfinch so and we've talked about before about our preference for a little life yeah well it now it feels like that's really unfair for me to say because yeah. i've never read the author so or the others so i'm gonna attempt the goldfinch and then i i bought this book never read it think i might try it's the campus trilogy so it's actually three books right. in one and it's set in england at like a fictional university um, I've talked before about my love for campus novels. Mm-hmm. I think I came across this one. The author's David, I believe it's David Lodge or Loge. Um, I think this one came to me from Ann Bogle. Um, it is so like, 
I don't know if it's one I would be willing to take on a plane. But I like the idea of reading about a place before or after you go. So I would like to at least attempt this um, because I'm headed, I'm headed over to London in a couple weeks. So uh, the Campus Trilogy and then the Goldfinch are two I'm going to try this summer. Another England-centric one that I read a couple summers ago, I think for a, a reading, what are those called? Reading group. A reading group that I was a part of at Florida State um, is Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell by okay. Susanna Clark. Um it's hefty, it's big, and it's really hard to describe because mm-hmm. it's essentially just historical fiction for the first half. Okay. And but there and there's this like kind of subtle magical element mm-hmm. through the first half like there's there's like fairy there's some kind of fairy magic that exists. Um but it's kind of set during the Napoleonic Wars and like partially in France, partially in England. Um and then the second half just kind of doubles down on the magic thing. Okay. Um, and you think, like, there are these, like, parlor magicians that aren't actually magicians, but then it turns out they actually are magicians. They're some kind of wizards. And it changes, like, from historical fiction into, like, I won't say grown-up Harry Potter the way that the magicians is, because mm-hmm. it's not, like, dirty and dark and, and gritty. <laughs> but it is, like, it's a higher reading level okay. than Harry Potter. Okay. And I would recommend it, I think, as a... As a, like, if you liked Harry Potter, but you're in your 20s now, okay. try Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Okay, that's um, a good sell. But it's big. It's like 800, 900 pages. Okay. Um, but it is, I think, kind of two books in one. Okay. Which is why it has a, a double title. Yeah. Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, there was a TV series oh, okay. a year or two ago maybe, that I heard was pretty good, but I'd never watched it. Maybe that is why I'm familiar. I think I can picture the book you're talking about. It's big. It was on my... Stop shelf, shelf for a little for bit. A while, okay. Um, I have recommended many, many times a little life, mm-hmm. which I know isn't for everyone. No, um, but it is so beautifully done, and was my first kind of journey with that author, um, Hanyana Gihari, and I, I just loved it. Like I, I don't know if I would be willing. This is hard, right? We've talked about you really. Um, value the rereading experience. Mm-hmm. I struggle with it. Um, it's one I don't know that I want to reread, but I right. do wonder if now a few years removed, I should try it again um, to see if I get something different out of it. Um, there was a very good Twitter thread months and months ago now that was like, if you want to read A Little Life, mm-hmm. don't read a plot summary first. No. Because reading the plot summary out of the context of the book makes it sound completely absurd yeah um completely bizarre do people read plot summaries before they read a book yes why would you do that i don't know (laughs) um i think for some i've done it um for some people it um it kind of emulates the rereading experience you're not reading to find out what happens you're reading for other things it kind of it kind of eliminates the need to comp well, that sounds negative, but it eliminates the need to kind of try to comprehend the plot while you're going. Yeah, on. exactly. So I like, I, I know what's going to happen, and now I can kind of appreciate the language more, Probably helpful or I can for appreciate the craft reading as well. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and I think that's really the context in which I've okay. read about it. Gotcha. Um, or have done it even. I mean, I've even um, Hunter doesn't read blurbs or doesn't right. read um, jackets. I mostly still do, but occasionally I will go in completely blind yeah. um, because. I I like to have an idea of what I'm getting into. Yeah. I'm not a spoiler phobe in any in yeah. any sense of the word. Yeah. Um, 
So Interesting. I, I mean, I would for sure echo that advice. I don't think I would read a plot summary of a yeah. life because well, please don't. <laughs> the, jur- well, and the journey she's taking you on is these characters. So I think a plot exactly. summary would be really hard exactly to write. Um, and I think it'll make you not take the book seriously. Yeah, character-driven novels I think probably don't lend themselves to plot summaries. Right. Um, okay, so a little life. The other one uh, that. I should have mentioned kind of in line with Campus Trilogy is The Art of Fielding. Oh, yeah. We talked about this before. Yeah. I love that book so much, and I mention it, too, because it's a great summer book, because baseball. Um, I don't know why, but I just associate that um, The Boys summer. of Summer. Yeah, and and it's a campus book, mm-hmm. so there's a lot to love at, about it. It's not a book about baseball by any means, but, no. but baseball kind of helps set the stage. Um, we mentioned at the beginning of the show Hamilton. Yep. I own that biography. I started it. It is not overwhelming in terms of Mm-mm. writing style. I think it's really accessible. I think Ron Chernow has created a really fascinating story and yeah. narrative. Um, so even if you normally get bogged down by nonfiction, I don't think you would. It's just the page count. Like sometimes, we've I don't know if we've talked about this before, but these hefty books are just physically hard to read Mm -hmm. like I do not want to read on a tablet not only because I own a small bookstore but just I e-reading is not for me I don't think I would comprehend as well etc I tried I I can understand it when I'm in bed trying to hold up the Hamilton biography because I read a lot in bed and I'm like I can't I can't lift this this is me with a game of thrones recently where I'm just like I'm 400 pages into it now and I'm just like it's a workout it is and so I have to like rest it on my chest and then that's not comfortable no and if you're laying in bed I frequently actually lay down like I have one pillow and like I'm on my side reading a book Mm -hmm. you cannot do that with a hefty (laughs) book like you've got to sit up in bed put you some pillows up give you some arm support I don't know maybe I sound like a weakling but some of those heavy books are just physically hard to read absolutely (laughs) it sounds so sad um Actually, on that, The Name of the Rose is kind of about that. Okay. Um, because it is set in, um, I want to say the 12th century, mm-hmm. maybe maybe later. It's been a couple years since I've read it now. So, like, it's set in the, in the Middle Ages, um, set in a monastery. It's a murder mystery in a medieval monastery. Okay. Which, that's the best pitch for it. Yeah. Like, imagine if Sherlock Holmes was a medieval monk. Fun. And you've got that book. Yeah. It's great. Um, and then it then tackles lots of heavy philosophy and medieval theology while it's going through, which is what makes it big because it just has long chapters where it's like explaining the historical situation of like why these monks don't like these other monks. Yeah. Um, and other people think that's boring. I do not. I think it really <laughs> sets the stage for the conflict in the book okay. in a fascinating way. I think Jordan would really like this book. Well, I think we've talked about that before. We have. You need to just recommend it to him. You really do. I'll give him my copy. <laughs> um, my, my copy was a gift from a professor, actually. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, it really... Yeah. Isn't that special? That's, I have a... Um, mine is Flannery O'Connor, but it's not a typical collection. It was like something in manners. I can't remember it, but it's her non... Uh-huh. It's some nonfiction. Yeah. Like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking mystery about. And mystery and manners. Mystery and manners. So that that's a really good one um, because some books are hard to read and some medieval manuscripts are impossible to read. So read this instead. Yeah. Um, I... 
want to throw out there The Witch Elm by Tana French because it's a newer one. Yeah, it's new and it's mystery. So I think a lot of people want on their beach vacation or whatever, just like it sounds like Name of the Rose would fill that too, Mm -hmm. like fill that kind of void where you kind of want a whodunit situation. Um, The Witch Elm is a departure from Tana French just because it's not related to her other works. It's kind of a standalone novel. Um, And you feel like she's really she's really doing something different. Like it's a lot to me, slower pace, but not in a bad way. Like I was, I really loved this story and appreciated the story, but it's not quite the page turner her other Mm -hmm. uh, novels are, which means it would be the perfect tome to tackle this summer. Um, Just kind of let Tana French take you where she wants to take you. Um, I really liked this book and normally mysteries to me belong in October, Mm -hmm. but I think I think sometimes the summer you really want a, a mystery to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not totally in that vein, but my last one here is Life After Life by yes. Kit Atkinson. I never read that, and I would really you like should. to have. Yeah. No, I think you should, because um, it's it's big. It it's is. 600 pages or something like yeah. that. Um, and it's about this character, Ursula, who de- just dies a bunch of times. It came out at the same time as another book called Life After Life, question mark? It came out around the same time as A Little Life. Oh, man. I'll have to look this up. But I think it came out at the same time as another book with a very similar title. Interesting. To where, as a bookseller at first, and I think I was a newish bookseller, I was confused. I was like, which book? Which of these is which? Which one is that? Yeah. It looked really good, though. It is really good. Yeah. Um, and it kind of explores the possibilities of like what would you do differently in your life with the different Which I always circumstance. like that. Exactly. And so a lot of people think it's a book about second chances, like it kind of is, but it's also just about like self self reflection and like uh, knowing what you would do in different situations if your life looked a little different. Like did it make you cry like a time traveler's wife did? Um, not to the same degree, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I just wonder I think of a time traveler's wife and I also think about the movie um about time which is one of yeah, my favorite movies the movie's so good um but that kind those same kind of themes yeah. am i on the right track? yeah okay. absolutely okay i think i'd like that i think you would okay that's what i got so tackle some tomes this summer. tackle some tomes that's gonna be our hashtag oh, hashtag tackle some tomes man that's so good thank you see sometimes i'm good at it <laughs> just not usually <laughs> of sin. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. From the Front Porch is a production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. It's produced by me, Annie Jones, and Chris Jensen, and edited by Chris Jensen. If you're interested in purchasing any of the titles we've talked about on today's episode, you can do so at bookshelfthomasville.com forward slash shop. Thank you, as always, to Forlorn Strangers for the use of our theme music. It's called Bottom of the Barrel from their album, Forlorn Strangers. Learn more at forlornstrangers.com or check them out on social media under their current name, The Rally Club. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch on Patreon and gain access to exclusive bonus content, check us out on patreon.com slash fromthefrontporch. You can also find us at our website, fromthefrontporchpodcast.com, 
for web-only content and a full back catalog of our show with detailed show notes and links to further reading. This week in the bookshelf, a funny thing happened. So many funny things happened just because there were so many people here. But uh-huh. I think you will appreciate that people were so excited to see you and Kelsey when I said that Kelsey was coming that Lucy was like, we need to just move Harry and Megan over and just do a blow up of one of Kelsey and Chris's engagement pictures and just stick it and people can take their picture with bookshelf royalty Chris and Kelsey. Which is so funny because two people talked to me at the reader retreat. Y'all stood in the corner. What'd you expect? I stood in the middle of the room. <laughs> you stood at the table. We talked about That's this. the middle of the room. Not, not when the, everyone is shopping. You'll have to mingle next time. I don't know how to mingle. I, I know. You're really going to have to get better And I just think it. like if people want to talk to me they can come and talk no, to me. No, not if you're I don't I don't, know, I don't know their names. If you're a celeb, you gotta go um, up to people. But then when we found some people at the at Sweetgrass afterward, um, we did talk to them, and yeah. they were just like, Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She is so beautiful. Yeah. I'm like, I know. <laughs> I put a ring on that. <laughs> so anyway, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. <laughs>